0: This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with the message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled, Behind the Curtain of Prayer, and it comes from Daniel 10, 1 through 21. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song was ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with a tax-deductible gift. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift, to word talk, Inc., is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Again, that's radiobibleclass with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes by going to the podcast section and searching for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. And last, you can catch us streaming live on wmerworldwide.com. Again, that's wmerworldwide.com so today we start back with daniel chapter 10. i think if we were all honest we would all say there's probably at least one area in our life that we're not proud of where we do too much in some area maybe it's we eat too much maybe it's we spend too much maybe it's you talk too much maybe it's you worry too much but one thing i don't think you will ever hear anybody say is that i pray too much I believe if we were all really honest with ourselves, we would say that we would have a desire to pray more because prayer in its simplest definition is our communing with God. It's a conversation with God. It's a relationship with God. And so the more we pray, the closer that relationship becomes. If you break down prayer, I think you could break it down into two parts. There's one, there's the list. And the other part is the listening. The Bible tells us it's okay to come and bring our petition to the Lord, to bring our list to the Lord, bring our requests to the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 tells us that. But it also tells us that we are to be still and know that he is God, to listen. Now the reason why that I am talking about prayer this morning and giving you a little instruction around prayer is because again, here in chapter 10, we get to see the prayer life of Daniel, and things we can learn from his prayer life. Now, chapter 10, 11, and 12 all go together, and we'll see that as we get into the next several weeks. But chapter 10 today, again, is about a prayer, and we get a glimpse of Daniel's prayer life, and God kind of pulls back the curtain of prayer, and we see things that is nowhere else in the Bible of what goes on when we pray. I have a lot to cover, so let's just jump right in. Turn with me to Daniel 10, and we'll be reading the first several verses. We'll start with verse 1, and I'll be reading out of the ESV. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar, and the word was true, and it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upar around his waist. His body was like barrel, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like a gleam of brushing bronze, and the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. And we'll stop right there for now. So first, as we've seen through this whole book, Daniel is a prayer warrior. He is one praying dude. If anybody could say they pray too much, and I don't think anybody can say that, Daniel may have been able to say, I pray too much. We see right here, though, in verse 2, that he has mourned for three weeks. He's ate no delicacy. He's eaten no meat. He's drank no wine. He's gone on a partial fast. And also, not only that, he didn't anoint himself. He didn't bathe for three weeks. Now, we see in verse 1, though, that the time is that it's the third year of King Cyrus, the king of Persia. This means that it's right at the time that the prophet Jeremiah has predicted that the 70 years which the people would be captive was now over. This also means that Daniel was about 85 years old. And we see in verse 2 that Daniel is mourning. That's what it says. It says, I was in mourning and I fasted for three weeks with no meat, no delicacies. Well, why was Daniel in mourning? Well, the time had come for the nation of Israel to go back. The people of Israel that had been held captive could now go back, yet they weren't leaving. Over the 70-year period, they had gone from being cattle farmers and sheep farmers, now to be a shopkeeper. See, they had found the Macy's, the Gimble's, the Emporium of Babylon, and they were there making money out of their shop and no longer being farmers of cattle and sheep. And so they had found a way of life and they liked the way of life. And so most people weren't leaving. Only a small remnant was leaving after this captivity and headed back to Israel. And so we see that Daniel is greatly concerned about this. And then we see in verse 4 through 6 that I finished up with that he calls together his friends. He gathers those together and they go out to the Tigris and they're having a prayer meeting. And in this prayer meeting... Daniel sees this glorious man on the banks of the Tigris River. This man he encounters is no ordinary man. As a matter of fact, there's controversy around this encounter. Some say that this is Christ and precarnate in the Old Testament, a Christophany. Others say this is just an angel. And I want to look at verse five and six again. I want to dive into this because I think and I believe that this is Christ and pre This is before he comes to the earth as man. This is Jesus at that time. And let me tell you why. Because I, I think the best commentator on the Bible is the Bible. And we're going to look at Revelation and we're going to see how what John saw Jesus described and how Daniel describes Jesus and they match up. So look with me at verse 5 again. In verse 5 it says, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen, a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. So this man is dressed in fine linen and he's got this gold belt around his waist. That's what that means. Verse 6, His body was like beryl, his face the appearance of lightning. So his face radiated. And then it says that his eyes were like flaming torches. I want you to note that specifically. His arms and legs like the gleam of a burnished bronze. And then he finished up and says, and the sound of his voice like the sound of a multitude. This would be like the roar of a crowd. This would be like the roar of thunder and lightning. Again, I believe this is Jesus. Some say this is just an angel. But turn with me now to Revelation 1 and listen how similar they sound. Revelation 1, starting in verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice of that what was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand was one like a son of man, clothed in a long robe, we saw that again, a golden sash around his chest. Remember the gold waist that Daniel saw? The hair of his head was white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like the flame of fire. And his feet was like burnished bronze. Remember, Daniel said that his eyes were like flame torches and his arms and legs were burnished bronze. And then John finishes in Revelation 1 verse 15, where he says his voice was like the roar of many waters. And again, remember what Daniel said? And the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. So, again, when you tie these two together, when you use scripture to be commentary on scripture, I personally believe that this is Christ. This is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. This isn't the first place where we see him. Now, other commentators say that this is just an angel. I'm not going to be dogmatic and tell you it's one way or the other. I'm just telling you how I believe and why I believe what I believe. You might ask Tim, well, how can this be? How can this be the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, understand he is part of the God tribune. God has always been and always will be. And if he's part, the one of three in God, then he has always existed. Just because we only see him in the New Testament in his incarnation as man doesn't mean that he didn't exist before then. So I truly believe right here we see a Christophany. And now I want to look at how Daniel responds. As a matter of fact, it's very similar to the Apostle Paul on that road to Damascus. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Just like Paul on the road to Damascus, when Jesus came before him as a great light, right there, he fell to the ground. And Daniel did the same thing. He falls to the ground. Also, just like in the book of Acts, the people that are around Paul, they don't see him. But Paul sees him and he hears him. So right here in verses 7 and 8, just like Paul, Daniel loses all his strength. He falls to the ground. So Daniel is overwhelmed when he sees Jesus and the greatness and that effect that we will have one day, how when we're in heaven, we are going to fall to our knees and we are just going to worship him. And then look what happens right there in verse nine. Then I heard the sound of his words and I heard the sound of his words. I fell on my face in deep sleep and with my face to the ground. Now this is not in my notes, but it just jumped in my head. Remember when Jesus is In the garden and they come the soldiers come to get him and he says i am he what happened they fell backwards they fell to the ground right here as jesus speaks daniel falls to the ground and he falls into a deep sleep and now we see in verse 10 that he gets awakened by someone touching him and we know this isn't jesus any longer because the description is an inferior description Now, this could be Gabriel. We saw earlier that Gabriel came to him and gave him revelation to mysteries that had visions that had been given to him. So this could be Gabriel. We don't know who this is other than we know the description of it is inferior to the one of Jesus. So it's more than likely an angel this time and that we don't know the angel's name. But let's pick it up in verse 10. Look with me at verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. Now again, he says, stand up. I want you to stand while I talk to you, because I'm not worthy of the worship that you were doing just a minute ago to Jesus. Let's pick back up in verse 11. And when he had spoken the word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for the first day that you sent your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, for your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, now you probably want to underline that, withstood me 21 days, but Michael one of the chief princes came to help me. You may want to underline that too. We'll get to that in a second. For I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is happening to your people in the latter days for the vision is for the days yet to come. So a second being has appeared. It's an angel and it was sent immediately as he began to pray on day one. We also understand that someone sent this angel and, they, and Daniel, he's telling Daniel to stand up. And when Daniel does stand up, he's trembling and shaking. And that's not uncommon throughout the Bible when we have an angelic uh, encounter. But then this angel begins to reveal some things about the prayer, some things that happen behind the scenes when we pray. I want to jump back to verse 11 real quick because I don't want to miss this one thing that I have in my notes. And that is where he says, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Now, we saw this before, but it's, again, reminded to Daniel how much he is loved by God, how much he matters to God. And I want you to pick this up that we are greatly loved the God of the universe, the God that holds everything in his hand, the God that makes the moon circle around the earth, the earth circle around the sun, and all our galaxies fall the way they have. He cares about you and you are greatly loved. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what what you've done in your past. God sent his son to die on a cross for you. He loved you that much, and he loves you that much today. And if you haven't accepted him, today is the day that you should. God loves you. He cares about you. He knows every intimate detail about you. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. And here we see that the angel tells him, oh Daniel, man, greatly loved. Understand that the words that I speak to you stand upright because I have been sent to you. I'm sure that Daniel knew that he was loved, but I want to point this out because there are people, there are Christians that sometimes forget how much God loves them. Now, after he tells Daniel how much he's loved, look what he does. He says, there are several things I want you to understand. Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to understand and humble yourself before God, your words were heard. The angel tells him that the very moment that you pray that your words were heard. Three weeks ago, God heard you. The answer was on its way that very minute that you asked. And we've covered this before. We know that this was God's will that Daniel was praying. When we asked based on God's will, our prayer is heard and is answered immediately, and that's what we see. Now, sometimes our prayers aren't heard because we ask things like God's a cosmic uh, slot machine. We put money in and we expect to hit the lotto. We want it the way we ask for it, we want it to be delivered in the form that we've requested, and that's not how God works. See, I'll give you a tweetable moment right here. Prayer's not a way in which we get God to do what we want, Prayer is a way by which we get involved in what God wants. And when we understand that, just like Daniel did, our prayer is heard and it gets answered immediately. If you go to the book of Matthew, where Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he taught us this. But he says that our Father knows what we need before we even ask him. And when we get involved in what God wants to do through us, when we understand that, then prayer becomes us being involved in what God wants and not necessarily the desires of what we want. No, no, again, I told you in Philippians 4, 6, it tells us that we can come before God with a list of things, but we need to make sure that they are aligned with God's will. Even here, remember that Daniel is in mourning. He's been praying for three weeks and God heard him on day one because his prayer was aligned up with what God wanted. So we see immediately that His prayer was answered and it was uh, a message was sent but now he shows us a little bit of the spiritual warfare that goes on he shows us that there are possible delays although the answer that God sent was immediate it didn't arrive immediately it didn't arrive for three weeks you might go Tim why not why was it held back well the angel says that the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days see the angel is revealing to Daniel that not only is there good angels and that God uses them, but that Satan has angels as well, and they battle. There is a spiritual battle. Paul tells us this in Ephesians six twelve. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against evil spirits in high places, rulers of darkness of this world. And that's what this angel is telling Daniel, that this prince of Persia held him up. He battled with, his, with him, trying to hold up God's answer for 21 days. bet if we were all honest, we can think about a time in our life where it seemed like something was against us. It seemed like people were against us. But it really isn't people that is the problem. It is the spiritual battle that's going in the background trying to stop the good work that you're doing. And as we look at what this angel tells Daniel, we see that these spiritual uh, evil angels have authority over kingdoms. And he names this one as the kingdom of Persia. And this evil angel that holding back this answer that's been sent to Daniel, matter of fact, he's held him for 21 days and then God dispatches Michael, one of the archangels, that's what it says, that he came and he helped. And now I'm here. I wonder how many times if we could just see behind this curtain the way the angel is describing to Daniel what's going on in the background, would we be surprised? What you should learn from this is that God hears your prayer and he sends answers, but sometimes there's a spiritual battle going on that delays the message getting to you. Next time you have a prayer which is not answered as quickly as you think it ought to be, remember that you are engaged in a spiritual conflict. There can come delays, but no delay can ever throw God's schedule off. God is never too late, never. He can always muster up whatever force he needs to to break through whatever's holding it back. So his time is always on time. There's a reason why God allowed this to wait 21 days. And now we see in verse 14, if you jump down there with me, why the angel has come and what the answer was came, and the answer was to explain the vision for the days that are yet to come. That's what it says in verse 14. Daniel has seen a vision of what's going to happen in Revelation 6 through 18, where God pours out his final attempt to get man to bend the knee, to turn to him. Those that will not have already accepted him to get them to come to know Jesus as Lord of their life. But let's look at what happens next. Look at verses 15 through 17 with me. And when he had spoken to me, according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me. No breath is left in me. So Daniel has seen the vision that we're going to study in the next couple of weeks. So chapters 11 and 12. And it had an effect on him. He's already been in mourning and fasting. He's been waiting for three weeks. And all that's taken a toll on him. And now this tremendous vision is so emotionally gripping and so overpowering that it's just drained away all his physical strength. And how does God handle this? God handles an angel to give him strength, to strengthen him. Now, it wasn't God that actually physically touched him, but an angel. But God touched Daniel through an intermediary. He used an angel to bring strength of God to him, and we see that right there in verse eighteen. In verse eighteen, it says, "And again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me." And he said, "O man, greatly love, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and be of good courage." And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, "Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me." And we'll stop right there. So right here, again, we see that he is strengthened by the angel who God sent to give him the message. He knew the message was going to be uh, agony. It's going to be painful. It was going to drain him. And so he sends an encouraging angel that strengthens him. And then what does he do? He says that I will strengthen enough that I now can speak. And then look how he wraps up in verse 20 through 21. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. So again, not only does he see the prince of Persia, we also now see there's this prince of Greece that's going to come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth, that there is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So Daniel is about to receive the answer to his prayer. But the battle's not over from the, for the angel. First, he's got to go back and battle the prince of Persia and then the prince of Greece. But I also want you to catch that the angel gives him not only physical strength, but he gives him encouragement by what he says. He says, do you know why I've come to you? See, that is the angel encouraging Daniel to think a bit. The angel has come to answer the questions that Daniel's going to have about this vision. And he tells him, now I've come to tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. And this is really the introduction to chapter 11 and chapter 12. And we'll cover this. This is going to be the greatest vision that Daniel was ever given. Daniel is being told what is going to happen at the end of the age, just before Jesus returns again. I want to make sure you catch that. He says, I've come to tell you what's inscribed in the book of truth. But the way to do that is you have to take this book, the Holy Bible, and you have to understand that it is the truth. It's how we're to think. It's how we're to act. It's how we're to go through our day. And it is enlightened to us through the Holy Spirit as we study it and as we memorize it and as we hide it in our heart. We need to learn from it. We need to let it control our passions. We need to let it govern us on how we act. I'm out of time. So let me close with this final thought. I started off saying everybody knows we need to pray more, but few actually do that. Right here in Daniel 10, we've learned some important things about the other side of prayer. What happens in the heavenly realms, in the unseen spirit realm, in regards to our prayer? We've seen that there are angels and demons who battle in the heavenlies when we pray. And in addition, right here in chapter 10, we have seen that if we want to commune with God, if we want to have a relationship with God, if we want to connect to the heart of God, then we do it by earnestly praying, by sincerely praying, by fasting, by mourning, by being humble, and that through the power of prayer, that we can move the heart of God. But there are some things that we do that sabotage us from having that powerful prayer. One is the unforeseen warfare that's going on in the background. And we just need to be aware of that, that God's heard our prayer and in his time he will answer that. But there are some other things like unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. We need to confess our sins in part of our prayer life. Another thing that sabotages our prayer life is that we have an unforgiving heart. The Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And then the last thing that we talked about, and I want to make sure you understand that we have to have the right motive. We have to pray the will of God. James 4, 3 says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, it is about us. It's not about God. When you make your requests known to God, they should be based on the will of God. So remember, if you want to be like Daniel, then never doubt God's ability to answer your prayer, but always make sure that your faith is in him and that you defer to his will. Let's have a consistency in our prayer Let's be persistent in our prayer, and let's let God's timing come about. Let's do it according to God's will, and we will watch him do immeasurable more than we could ever ask or imagine. So today, how is your prayer life? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we bring up our prayers to you. Lord, we thank you that you opened up the curtain to let us see what is going on sometimes in the spiritual realm. You allow Daniel to understand and document how there is battles going on that we don't know about. We think man is holding us back, but it is the spiritual warfare that is going on. Lord, I thank you for giving us another example of how that we can be effective in prayer, how that we can tug on your heart and how you answer our prayers. And Lord, I thank you for reminding us how much we're loved, how much you showed Daniel over and over that he was a man that was greatly loved and that we are no different. You love us just as much. Lord, you remind us that there's nothing that we can do to make you love us more. There's nothing that we can do to make you love us less. But Lord, let us understand to understand who you are and to get to your heart. We need to have a prayer life. We need to be praying more and more each day. And that is a thing that we can work towards. No, it's not something that will make you love us more, but it will bring us closer to you and we will understand you better and we will see who you really are as we get to know you. Lord, right now, maybe there's the one that has come to know you. They're a Christian, but they don't have that steady time with you. They're not praying with you on a regular basis. Lord, right now I pray that you would knock on their heart. Lord, you would put that desire back in there. Lord, you would awaken them to see what they need, and Lord, that they would add that to their walk with you. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you at all. Lord, I pray that today would be the day. Lord, they would ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, they would believe on your finished work on the cross, how you took our sins and you nailed them to the cross. And not only did you shed your blood to overcome our sin, but you overcame death. You gave us, overcame the victory of death and that we have a blessed hope of spending eternity with you. And Lord, right now, I pray that prayer. And Lord, I pray that they would mean it. And Lord, they would confess you before men. Lord, we thank you for all you do. We thank you for this ministry and the blessings that you send on it. And right now, Father, we'll give you all the honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.